remain standing for the reading of the word of the Lord. The reading for the book of Matthew, chapter 25, verse 34. So good to see Brother Anthony and Sister Mercedes Nutter here tonight. So glad they are here. Amen. Love you. Amen. Praise the name of God. I appreciate this choir. I enjoyed that tonight. Amen. Feel a witness of the Spirit. Um, Matthew 25. We're going to read with, read with verse 34. Also, we'll read another portion of Scripture in a moment. Matthew 25, 34 says, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was and hungered. Everybody say, I was hungry. And ye gave me meat. I was thirsty. And ye gave me drink. I was a stranger. And ye took me in. Naked. And ye clothed me. I was sick. And ye visited me. I was in prison. And ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him. Everybody say, the church. Saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hunger? When in the world did we ever see God hangry? Uh, hungry. <laughs> I said hangry. Anybody know what that means? Anybody ever been hangry? You might as well turn around and shake somebody's hand and greet them and say, I'm glad you're here. I'm really not hangry. I'm glad you're here with me. Brother South, all that means you're so hungry that you're angry is what that means. Where are we going to eat at tonight, honey? That's what I want to know. When saw we thee a stranger? He said, when saw we thee and hungry and fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison? And came unto thee, and the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Amen. And um, he goes on and says, Then shall he say, verse 41, Unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was unhungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and you visited me not. And um, he said, when you're done unto the least. It sounds to me that those in the church have to understand there's a greater responsibility than just being saved yourself. But there's a responsibility to take care of the needs of our community. How many believe that? And he said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Amen. I'd like to preach to you on this subject, what I feel God would have me to deliver to you tonight, is that I was a stranger and he took me in. Everybody say, I was a stranger and he took me in. Would you just love the Lord before you're seated? That's all right to lift your voice in church and say, I love you, God. Hallelujah to your name. Lord, I praise you today, God. I worship you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. John chapter 4. John 4. And there might be some... Uh, following along with me tonight in some uh, quite a bit of verses. And so, uh, if you will, keep your Bible close to you. And uh, for all the cheaters that didn't bring your Bible, you can watch the screen tonight. <laughs> Amen. 
John 4. John 4, his, his disciples return in verse 31. It says, In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. They went grocery shopping, brought their groceries back, and wanted him to eat. He said, I eat meat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath, he, hath any man brought him aught to eat or brought him something to eat? And Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye there are yet four months. Thank God for prophecy. But at some point the prophecy has got to be fulfilled. Amen. I think it's easy to get excited about what will be and forget about that God wants to go ahead and do it right now. He said, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Everybody say, It's harvest time. And I'm going to tell the congregation here tonight that Zanesville right now, it is harvest time for our church and our churches right now. It is harvest time. The need is now. Somebody shout right now. I'm excited about what God's going to do, but I do see and understand as your pastor about what God is wanting to do tonight, tomorrow, this week, not some four months from now, not next year, but God has called us to reach our community now. Everybody shout right now. He said when you pray, he said you pray that God would send laborers that's what you ought to be praying. He said, in your prayer time, send labors into the harvest, for the harvest is now. When you begin to understand the, the, the portion of Scripture, you have to see that his disciples were with him at all, almost at all times, the majority of the time. He had to send these Jewish young men away because he's getting ready to do something that they would not approve of. He knew it. He understood in their culture they would not approve of who he's getting ready to minister to because it was, th th there's no way that they would, they would liken this Christ into who he's getting ready to talk to and so he sent them to the grocery store. When they come back, he has ministered to a woman at the well, a woman in Samaria. John 4, 4 says he must needs go through Samaria. I do not believe it was just the shortest route. I believe there was somebody that needed him there. This Samaritan woman was a half Jew or had been a part of the Jewish people, her descendants at one time, but had mixed with heathen tribes and become Samaritan people. When they became Samaritan people, they were considered dogs or dirty. They threw off of the Lord one time and called him thou Samaritan. That was not complimenting him. It was degrading him. And he understood the Jews, even his disciples who were all Jews, understood that they would not like his company because when they would picture the harvest, they would be picturing a Jewish harvest. Did you hear me? He knew the lineage and the hundreds of years of being Jews that what he was gonna teach them and what he was gonna show them is that they, they wouldn't accept because God can only save our type of people. They have the locks growing out and have the hat that they wear and the Jewish ladies the way they are and that the ones that God was going to reach was going to be the Jewish people. Can I tell you today, what do you picture when you picture the harvest of the church? What do you picture when you picture the end time harvest? Let's go to Joel. Joel pictures it, does he not? In Joel 2 and 28, he said, In the last days, saith God, I'm going to pour my spirit upon all flesh. You know what he was saying? Every ethnicity, everybody that has flesh, I'm going to pour my spirit upon them. He says, And my old men shall dream dreams. My young men shall see visions. Upon my servants and upon my handmaids, 
In those days will I pour my spirit. He said, and the sons and the daughters shall prophesy. What he was saying was, I see the harvest. The harvest isn't bound to the up and in. The harvest isn't only gonna be to the Jewish people. It's not gonna be an older crowd or a younger crowd or a middle-aged crowd. That when God gathers in the church, what we call the harvest of God's church, that means sinners coming to the Lord and being saved, people coming to the altar and receiving the Lord into their life, he was saying this, what do you picture? You should picture non-Jewish people being saved and not Jews only. He was saying to them, you shouldn't picture a certain age demographic. You shouldn't be picturing a certain ethnicity. You ought to picture every ethnicity coming to the Lord. Every age demographic coming to Amen. It's a problem when the only thing you can see being saved is apostolic people. The only thing you can see coming to God is people that already believe. I'm not so sure that we know how to embrace the harvest. Amen. We see this in the New Testament because Jesus, Jesus told the disciples, he said, I want you to preach the gospel. Go unto, somebody shout, all the world. You know, I just don't know. I don't like those type of people, so I'm not gonna go preach the gospel. You're not saved, you talk like that. He said, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Amen. Somebody shout every nation. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's King James Version. That just means people. Amen. He said, I want you to preach the gospel to everything that is flesh. You give everybody an option. Doesn't matter how old they are, how young they are. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't matter if they're down and out or up and in. It doesn't matter if they live in the mansion or live under the bridge. It doesn't matter. You should preach the gospel and believe that the harvest encompasses or envelops everybody. Can you say amen? I believe that God's gonna do a quick work with some people. But we've gotta stop picturing saved people getting saved. People talk about embracing the harvest. Let's go back and talk about something here for a minute. Jesus said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait until you be endued with power from high. He said, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Oh, they get to the day of Pentecost. We celebrated that a few months ago or a month or so ago. We had a Pentecostal service last, last Sunday night. People were being filled with the Holy Ghost. I got it all over again. Amen. How about you? It's a great experience, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Somebody shout hallelujah. But he said, go to Jerusalem. Let it begin at Jerusalem. But the problem was, he, he had told them, it's gonna be the Jew first and then to the Gentile. The Jew first and then to the Greek. But they could not embrace the fact that it was gonna be the Jew first. In their mind, it's the Jew only. As much as he was with them, they could not seem to break the mindset that this is gonna be a Gentile revival too. This is gonna be a Gentile harvest as well. Can you say amen? Sometimes people, when you pray, the only thing you picture is people that were saved coming back to God. You can't picture somebody that never heard the gospel coming to God. We've gotta change the way we envision things. When the Lord showed Ezekiel the temple in chapter 40, he said, I want the door. And he said, and I want the window that outlooks the, 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 the temple. He said, they will be proportional measurement. That the, the, the measurement of the window will be the same as the measurement of the door. You know what he said? Is that the door that allows people in the church will never be bigger than the vision of the church. I've seen people that have made statements. I don't want any backsliders coming to the Lord. Because people do not change. I'm gonna tell you right now, God changed my life. You won't have backsliders coming to God if you do not believe that they can come to God. Aren't you glad the Lord gave you a second chance? Amen. 
envision, I really do, a book of Acts harvest that encompasses more than people of like faith, but people that have faith but do not know the whole truth. And he began to tell them, it starts in Jerusalem, but they were so caught up in Jewish ways, Jewish traditions, Jewish laws, they could not picture somebody that's non-Jew being saved. That's right. That's why you look in, in Acts chapter seven, you'll find that they stoned Stephen, a Jew. He was mighty, mighty in the Holy Ghost. He began to preach. The people got angry at him and they stoned him. And when they did, he saw heaven open. Saul was holding his coat while they were stoning him. That's right. And the Bible says that he wreaked havoc on the church, imprisoning the church, imprisoning the saints of God. Oh, can I preach how I want to tonight? They started imprisoning the Jewish believers. They did. One after another, they were thrown in jail. Stephen was the first martyr. And then it wreaked havoc. And when it did, fear came upon the church in Jerusalem. And Brother Sharp, it pushed those believers outside of Jerusalem. Let's, let's turn to Acts 8. I feel a boldness coming over me tonight. I believe there's a greater harvest than we've ever seen in Zanesville and the surrounding communities. But I think we've got to change the way we envision this thing. How many go help me preach tonight? Let's have a Bible study. Go to the book of Acts chapter eight. Let's get to his word today. Acts eight and one. While you're there, let's think of this. Acts one and eight. And ye shall receive power. That's what he told him just before he ascended at the great commission. He said, and ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you and ye shall be what? Witnesses unto me. Where? Both in Jerusalem. And all Judea, what does it say? And in Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. He said it's supposed to start in Jerusalem. I want everybody to shout both Jerusalem. That means it's more than Jerusalem. It's more than my family. It's more than my denomination. It's more than where we are. You have to picture that God's reaching beyond the boundaries than where we are and who we are. Do you believe he can pour his spirit upon anybody that believes? Can you say amen? And so, so Saul, and Saul, Acts 8, 1, was consenting unto his death. Speaking of Stephen, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions. Here you go. Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Those 12 apostles stayed at Jerusalem, but the church scattered. Do you know the gospel got outside of Jerusalem not by an apostle, but by a believer? And his name was Philip. Watch what happens. Why do they leave? Because they were persecuting the church. I'm not so sure that people in the church do not get bound and things go wrong in their life to shake them up. Because God didn't intend for the church to be a rest home for saints. Where we just fold our arms and wait on the trumpet to sound. When I was growing up, they used to sing a song. It says, hold the fort for I am. Is it coming? Jesus, meet your need. Where's the handkerchief? I've got to surrender. We just got to hope he comes before a backslide. That's what the song pretty much says. Come, Jesus. You don't come real soon. I'm going to leave. Because it's so bad out there. That was never the will of God for you to hope the Lord had come so you don't backslide. The church shouldn't be on the defense. It ought to be on the offense. I'm never leaving. I've got something greater than any devil could ever operate against me. I've got more power. Come on, do you believe that? I'm glad to tell you that the church is growing. 
I'm glad to tell you, the harvest has never been greater. As a matter of fact, he said it's in the last days. You're going to see the greatest harvest in the history of the church. Yes, there's going to be persecution. Yes, there's going to be demonic opposition. Yes, there's going to be greater temptations than ever before. But I'm going to have a harvest, and it's going to be magnificent. Do you believe that the church can grow in 2019? Clap your hands and shout hallelujah. I'm talking about your children, your neighbors, people in this community. Somebody shout amen. You can be seated. I believe persecution could come to the church. Every time the people of God got persecuted, they multiplied. And I'm not so sure that if we get comfortable, we stop multiplying. We stop caring about the lost, caring about the sinner. We're just glad the Jews are being saved. And the Lord sent Saul, I believe, into that place. He brought persecution and they scattered the gospel. Where? Into his purpose. He got it out of Jerusalem. Somebody shout, get out of Jerusalem. Into Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And he says, the devout men carried Stephen to his burial, made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and 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 hailing men and women committed them to prison. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. If Saul had not persecuted the church, the gospel would have never got outside of the Jewish people because their vision of the harvest was Jews only. But it was never the will of God for it to be only to the Jew. Amen. It made sense because the Jews were taught in the book of Exodus chapter 12. Let's turn there. Exodus 12 verse 48. When they were coming out of Egypt and the feast of the Passover. How many know there was a lamb slain in Egypt? While we were yet. Somebody shout, sinners. Christ died for the ungodly, the unholy, the unrighteous. The sinner, the pervert, the thief, the cheater, the liar, the adulterer, the whoremonger. False religion and false doctrine. He died for everybody. Those in heresies, those in apostasies. He's died for everybody. My God. And when you look at Egypt, they were in Egypt. And the first time the word stranger, everybody shout stranger. The first time the word stranger is used. It is you speaking to Abram saying your people shall be a stranger in a strange land. God foresaw it. He prophesied it. And when they're in Egypt and they're about to come out, he said when a stranger, you're coming out of Egypt, and when a stranger, somebody shall, a stranger, shall sojourn or travel with you and will keep the Passover to the Lord. Let's read on and look what it says. Let all his males be circumcised. Let's make them Jewish. Let's let they have to practice the law. The stranger's got to fulfill Jewish law. And it said, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near and keep it, and he shall be as one that is born in the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. One law, everybody shout, one law shall be to him that is homeborn, and unto the stranger that sojourneth among you. What was this called? It was called the law of the stranger. Everybody say the law of the stranger. He said, when you are on your way to the promised land, you come out of Egypt, let strangers join you. And if they want to be a part of what you're doing, let's talk about it for a minute. How many know a stranger that joined the Jewish people? Her name was Rahab. She was in the wall of Jericho, was she not? How many know she's listed in the hall of faith? She hid the spies. How many have heard that story where she hid the spies in the wall of Jericho? And she was accounted for her faith because she hid the spies. And they, she told them, she said, I don't want to die in the judgment that comes. She made this statement. She said, I want to be a part of you all. And they told her, well, get your family, get in the house, hang a scarlet ribbon out your window. And when the judgment comes to Jericho, your house will be spared. I believe that's symbolic to the blood of Jesus. Because she was a non-Jew. She was a stranger. I'll, I'll word it this way. She was a Gentile. 
But when she hung the scarlet thread out the window, when the wall of Jericho fell, it wasn't her wall that fell. Everybody else in Jericho died. But because she said, I want to be like you people. I want the glory of God in my life. I don't want to worship a heathen God any longer. I realize that the God of the Jews is the God that I need to serve. And she joined the Jewish people. And she married a name by the name of Salmon who had a son by the name of Boaz who married a Moabitess Gentile by the name of Ruth, that's right, who had a son that was named Obed, who had a son named Jesse, who had a son named David, who became the king of God's people. And you know why Boaz fell in love with Ruth when everybody else saw her as the the Moabitess come from incest, come from a background of, of a mess. When he saw her, he said, you be good to that lady. You know why? Because he had an understanding of what happens when you're good to strangers. Because I wouldn't be here blessed if somebody hadn't let my my harlot mother, Rahab, into the church. But because somebody gave her an opportunity to be saved, now I'm blessed in the kingdom and I'm gonna let somebody else have that same opportunity. That is the vision of the harvest. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. When you come to the Lord, you have no past. You only have a future. Somebody clap your hands and shout hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. And the reason he kept saying it, you can read it through scripture. I know I'm gonna take time tonight because I'm trying to get to a point. You can read through scripture. He said, don't forget that you were a stranger in a strange land. Don't forget that I blessed you in a strange land. That there were people that blessed you in a strange land. And he said, don't you dare overlook the poor. He said, when you plant a garden, he said, you leave the corners of the garden. You leave the corners of the harvest field. So those that are poor and broken can have it because there was a time in your life when you were in bondage and you were in need and I provided for you. There's got to get a compassion that gets a hold of us. That says, you know what? I remember when I was down to nothing and God through his people gave me hope and gave and blessed me. And if I've been blessed, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a way to be a blessing to somebody else. That's what the word is saying. Don't forget that you were a stranger in a strange land. Somebody shout amen. Don't ever mock the poor. Don't ever mock the broken. You want to find judgment in scripture? You find what happens to somebody that makes fun of the poor. That mock the broken. That mock the needy. That take advantage of them because of their situation. If there's one thing that turns the stomach of God is when you lift your nose and think you're better than somebody that is empty and broken and dying. There's got to get something inside of the people of God. Hold on a minute. The Bible says if you see your brother in need and you shut up your bowels of compassion, how dwelleth the love of God in you? And there's one thing I'm thankful about the anchor. I've watched you love strangers. I've watched you love hurting people. I've watched you dig deep and bless those that do not have. And I believe that's probably one of the main reasons God has blessed this church financially and the atmosphere that we have is because of your love for the people that Jesus gave his life for on the cross. I know I'm wound up tonight, but I just feel like I need to preach. Thank God for a church that loves broken people and hurting people and people that do not have it all together. For we used to be broken. We used to be down. We used to be empty, but he saved us. Oh, clap your hands and shout hallelujah. Amen. Somebody say amen. Don't make fun of poor the broken the Bible says if you give to the poor you'll never lack that's what it says that's what it says you can be seated I thank God for the church there's no love like the church how many know that because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts amen I'm stirred up because when you picture the harvest what do you picture I've been to churches where they didn't like kids you know the, the mindset back in the day was sit down and shut up. Be seen and not heard. Yeah. 
And so the kids grew up feel like they didn't belong at the house. That's right. Finn, you okay to do that tonight? What I asked you to do? You want to do that? Come on, come on up here with Daddy. He, I asked him to do something because you never know how kids are thinking, but they, they think well. Uh, he just wants Sawyer up here with him for a minute. We we do it. He, and he'll he's got a tie here, and one of them is bigger, and one of them is smaller. And uh, you ready to do that? Huh? All right. Ask him the question. You gonna roll which, it? Which one's gonna win? <laughs> Is it going to be the bigger tie in the race? He's going to roll it up and let it down. Is it going to be the bigger tie or the smaller tie? He wants to know which one. Go ahead and ask him again, Finn. Which one's going to win? We got bigger on this side. We have a we have a vote on this side. Smaller. Oh, we got well, smaller. Go ahead. Let's 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 see the race and see who wins. All right. Hold up there. Okay. Go ahead. It's a tie. I think his ministry is making us laugh. Children should not be pushed aside. They should feel there's a place. That's my church. I want to go to church. God takes time for me at, at the church. When they get 18, they shouldn't think about leaving. They should say, where would I go? Everything I need is in the house of God. That's my church. Somebody say amen. So in the harvest, Pastor Gators, can we picture God saving children? Uh, somebody shout, how many children you'd like to see come to the Lord in the, in the next six months? Somebody shout a number out there. How, what do you see? Somebody jump up and shout a number. 1,500. I wish I could auctioneer right now. We'd, we'd have fun. I heard 1,000, I heard 800, I heard 500. Oh, well, I'm not have a special number in mind. I'm not, this is not a loaded question. How are they going to get here? Who's going to pick them up? The church is going to pick them up. But who's that going to be? Because if we can't see children being saved, there's no reason to go invite children to be saved. Because he said, where there's no vision, the people perish. We've got less children in this church than we've had since I've been a pastor. And there are literally thousands of children in this community. I saw a statistic the other day that 19, 19 million fatherless children are in America. Looking for a father figure. Looking for somebody to, looking for the father to love them. Be seated. Brother Danny, run up here. I remember when you came to church and you were nothing but a troublemaker. Look at him, all dignified, press suit. He didn't own anything like that. He come in, he had a, he had a hat on sideways. They don't know, y'all know who Mr. T is? He had a Mr. T chain set around his neck. He had jogging pants to hang hung down. I mean, the seam of his britches was down to here. Held up. We don't need to get into details, but Danny, amen. He had a hoodie on, and I can't tell you what it said. And the reason he came was to get somebody kicked out. Brother Danny, I already pictured that harvest. I didn't picture good little boys coming to the Lord. I already pictured troublemakers. And we believe that they could just feel what we love. And we can get them here. They would say no to drugs and alcohol, premarital sex, and because they found something better than the world's enticing them. Come on, I still believe that. 
Brother Danny, I moved to Zanesville with that vision. I didn't see your face, but I saw your type of people. Broken, in debt, distressed, and discontented. 1 Samuel uh, 22. And I believed if we could just start going, I don't know if Brother Jeremy Duvall's here or not tonight, but start going to juvenile jails and ministering. One, one guy that through one person I ministered to in a jail, we got 21 people coming to the church out of that one contact in the youth group. <laughs> Brother Danny, did you walk to this church a couple times? Or did somebody pick you up sometime? He said, I would walk when I didn't call the van. But you hear me. It wasn't great preaching. It wasn't a loving pastor. He said, I never met my dad. He said, but when I got in the atmosphere, I felt the arms of my heavenly father wrap around me. Where you at, Krista? Come up here. Boy, that was good singing tonight. Her life was broken. Her parents are now off of drugs, but when she came to the Lord, her home was ravished with it. You remember that? Getting rid of the furniture. And they come to church. I, I've said this many times when I preach youth camps. I don't know if I want to stand beside them in judgment. Because my parents took me to church. And they came. They showed up at church because they wanted to come. And all you young people need to hear what I just said. They didn't have to. I don't know if they've ever missed a service that they were, unless they were sick. The reason you're here isn't because just pastor. You're here because somebody got van keys and car keys and said, we're going to bring you. When I'm saying this, the vision's got to become great enough that it involves you. I'm going to tell you what the Lord showed me, and I prophesied to it to you. This might be the third time. But there are so many more of them in Zanesville. We just don't have people picking them up enough. And if we're not careful, we'll wait on somebody else to do what God wants us to do. Because we're content. Well, I'm sounding coming across wrong, but I'm just trying to help what I feel in the Holy Ghost. If we're not careful, we'll be satisfied with just seeing people already saved and forget that gospel is to be outside the walls of the church reaching for people that aren't not saved. Brother Danny, would you pray that God would give these wonderful people a burden to reach people like you? Would you do that? Open your hands. God, I pray that you would give these people the burden that those very people had as they came and picked me up every time, Lord. Every time they looked me in the eyes and they could see something. God, I pray that you would let that burden rest in this room. God, I pray that you would let us see people and productions of people, God. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see the harvest. Help us to see the end goal, Lord, that every time that we look somebody in the eyes, that we can see what they can become, God. I pray, Lord, that you would let your burden rest on us today. God, draw us in prayer. Move us to where you desire us to be, God. Push us to go farther than we desire to go. Push us to go beyond comfort, God. Push us to go beyond uh, comfort, Lord. I pray that you would push us. Move us, God. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's a harvest that's here now. You drive by their homes on the way to work, and they're weeping and crying. Oh, they're miserable. Oh, they're, they're broken. They're empty. They don't know where to turn. And the church drives right past them. And they're just waiting on somebody. He wrote a song one time when he looked up and the preacher looked at him and said, I wonder why the lady sitting there in the restaurant is weeping and crying. He said, because she's probably just waiting on somebody to reach out and take her by the hand and let her know that we care. And he wrote a song, reach out and take somebody's hand and let them know you care. And what I'm preaching to you is that one situation after another, people are getting involved in drugs and theft and brokenness because the church isn't doing its job. I feel condemnation in the room, and that's not my goal tonight. 
There has to get a burden to where every home says we need to get a stranger to come to church with us. Come on now. Lift your hands and pray for a moment. Thank you. Come on, I want you to begin to talk to the Lord for a moment. The unchurched. Oh, God, we pray for our city. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Be seated just for a moment. I heard somebody shout a thousand. Wouldn't wouldn't it be awesome if we had a thousand children come to this church? Now, I speak clear. Let me speak directly. It would be very easy just with a minimal effort and somebody commit to saying every Sunday I'm going to pick up some children that if we would take time and knock some doors and invite some people and go out, they would be here. And they would feel God and they would love it. I hear so much amazing reports over the years about our children's ministry. But what I do know, it has to take the concept of adoption the concept of love, the concept of reaching, the concept of pouring out to get them here. Can you say amen? We have jail ministry nearly every week. I think, Brother Sharp, did I see the report? Yesterday, it was at Noble County. 19 men at Noble County Correctional Facility was in church. God is, God is leading them, amen, out of bondage. We're so glad about that. He said, I was in prison, and he came to see me. Somebody shout Hallelujah. But let me, let me deal with something and then we're going to move on. Does everybody have a little time? Hey Amen. No school tomorrow. So I have a little time. Okay, Brother Gators. So here we are. You look at, you look at the first church. They start getting into the Gentile world. And then there's a confrontation between Saul who becomes the Apostle Paul to the Gentile nation. Everybody shout, the Apostle Paul was to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Why did God call him? Because he was a Jew that was raised in a Roman culture. And he could embrace Gentile people. And so Romans 1 quotes like this. He said, I am a debtor to you that are at Rome also. He said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. It took somebody raised in a non-Jewish culture to embrace non-Jewish people. And if we're not careful, we'll become so denominational as apostolic people that we can't embrace somebody coming in from the world that doesn't see things the way we do. And it's not fair. We can only be hospitable to our own family members, but we can't embrace a neighbor. We can't embrace a friend. We can't embrace a coworker because we have no compassion for anybody except people that are just like us. Can't pray beyond the wall of the boundary of somebody that walked away from the church. We can't pray for somebody that's never been in the church. It's quiet because you think I'm preaching to you, and I am. We've got to broaden our horizon and realize God is going to order my steps and it might be a work that God puts somebody in my path. It might be at the family reunion. It might be at the store. And it might be just because I got up and I went. And the revival of harvest that's going to take place is when you get up and you start going. And what they did in the book of Acts, they prayed until they got a burden. And then they got up and they went from house to house to house to house. And Jesus said, if they reject your message, dust the dust off your feet, go to the next one. Because somebody eventually is going to say, I'm so glad you came. I've been wanting a change in my life. I need a deliverance in my world. And they will respond to the gospel. I just want to ask us before I move on, is there anybody in the building that says, I want to see somebody come to the Lord. I want to see Calvary impact the lost soul. I want to see a child get delivered from something that the world has bound them with. 
Brother Derek, if you'll come, the musicians. He said it this way. He said, you were a stranger in Egypt. And hear me, be good to the strangers that want to join. And what he was saying was, you were a stranger. But I took you in. And I say this right now, I was a Gentile that he called me to salvation. And if he can save me, he can save anybody. Do you believe that? He said, I was a stranger. I'm not so sure that some of you shouldn't be praying, oh God, let me become a mentor. Let me become a guide. Some people, I believe, that will even come to a place of adopting people that have no parents. How many believe in that? What does the harvest look like? I saw a statistic earlier, Brother Derek. It said 38% of adults have some have in America have used some illicit drug use. 38%. 38% illicit drug use. 19.1 million people. Drugs. I'm gonna tell you. I've never met one person that drugs was the problem, even though they were doing drugs. Something was broken in their life. You know what they needed? They need Jesus. Forgiveness and that stuff just gets set free. How many believe that that can happen? Alcohol chemical treatment series, every, every Wednesday at six, we're reaching. That's what we're doing. But this is a theme of the year. We gotta reach out more. God will put them even in your path. Came a great straight between Simon Peter and Paul. You know why? Because Simon Peter was trying to get everybody circumcised that converted that were Gentiles. And he finally said that was under the law. Simon Peter, you got to understand they need to repent and be baptized, be filled with the Spirit, live a godly life. But we can't make them Jews. And that's why the first general conference was in Acts 15. And it had something to do with this. The vision of the harvest. We can't make everybody like us. Everybody to look, watch this, to envision everybody that's come is going to be like us. We've got to start envisioning people are going to come in. Their bodies are going to be tattooed. And it's okay. I don't believe you should go get tattoos. I preach against it. But we're not going to stop somebody from preaching because they got a tattoo on their neck. How many know the blood covers that? The blood covers that. We want them to grow into the grace and the knowledge of the truth and to be fulfilled that. But they're not going to come in that way. They're going to come in abused. They're going to come in divorced. 64% divorce rate in Muskingum County. Their families are going to be blended. Their homes are going to be separated. Their lives are going to be broken. The family's not going to be normal. How do you picture the harvest? Oh, God, help me. It's not 1960. 1950. It's not even the same millennium you were born in. It's a different day. Kids have more knowledge at five and six and seven years old than you did at 15, 16, and 18. How do you picture the harvest? What I've come to tell you is when they come in, you can't put them on the fast track to make them like you in, in, in a week or two. You know what you gotta believe? But you gotta believe that God can save them the same way he saved you. Amen. He can save them the same way he saved you. And so you got to start believing. We're believing in God. Come on, we embrace this. But we've got to re-embrace this. When Noe Berrientos came to the altar, God, through the preacher, pointed back to where he was sitting and told him everything he did the night before. And instead of running out the door, he said, God knows where I'm at. We didn't judge him. We didn't look at him different because he was Hispanic. We didn't care when we found out he had done $16,000 worth of crack cocaine in one month. You know what we were thankful for? That he was a stranger, but now he's a part of the fellowship of the body of Christ.
he's a missionary today. You know why? Because the church was merciful. The church was gracious. Here's a powerful verse in scripture. Brother Clark, and it says this, and the spirit and the bride say come. We know that his spirit is drawing sinners to the cross. But can the bride of Christ want the sinners to come to the cross? We gotta believe that the adulterer and a fornicator and those in lasciviousness and those in uncleanness and those that are in idolatry and witchcraft and hatred and variance and emulation, seditions and heresies, we gotta believe that God can take them out of that mess of sin and give them a brand new start and a brand new beginning. Do you believe that? God's gonna advance you. He's gonna give you powerful giftings and creativity. Some of you in this building will own your own businesses and will be wealthy. Don't forget the cause of the gospel. Don't you forget the cause of sending missionaries because there's countries that can be saved. There are communities that can be delivered. Don't forget about North American missionaries when God's blessed you. Come on, I'm telling you the Holy Ghost what I know. There's gotta get somebody that says the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. prayer wanting to come in here right now you know why it feels awkward because God wants there to be a transition God wants there to be a change God wants there to be some people that would intercede he said if Zion will travail she shall bring forth children and I believe there are thousands of people that God wants to bring to the gospel do you believe that that he wants to bring to conversion but he's waiting on the church to be the church he's waiting on the church to get hungry for the harvest How many want souls to be saved? How many of you have family members that do not know God, but you want them to know God? You've got to start building a prayer meeting with God. You've got to build an altar before the Lord. God, we want sinners. Come on, can you become compassionate about those that have never heard the gospel? Come on, we're believing for Apollos that he's serving God with everything he knows but he doesn't realize in Acts 18 that there's more. But they showed him more. We're believing that God's forgiving those that have been broken. Oh God. Come on, I wish somebody would come to the altar and say, oh God, there's an empty seat every Sunday in my car. I want to bring somebody that's never heard the gospel. I want to bring my neighbors, friends and family members, co-workers, strangers. Oh Jesus, come on, that's it. Oh God, oh God, I want them to have the opportunity that I've had. That's it. I want everybody all over the room to begin to pray. For we were strangers, but he took us in. 